Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Vic. And I'm Obs. And we have so much to say. About what though? Life, meaning, purpose, trying to figure out all of the super complicated stuff about what it means to be alive. That's deep. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like it will be easier because we're doing it together. True. Each week, we're reading one chapter of Eckhart Tolle's book, A New Earth, and then recapping what we learn right here on this podcast. So it's kind of like a book club. Kind of. This is going to be so much fun. We love this book and hope you do too. Get ready to awaken to your life's purpose with us. Let's get started because we have so So much much to to say. say. Okay, here we are. Chapter eight. (laughs) Hello. I feel like I needed like years to recover from chapter seven. I needed years. And I also feel like eight was kind of like the softball of the Eki world. He just kind of reiterated on it. Well, I felt like it was new stuff, but it was easy to digest. Yeah. Like I felt like it was like we've been prepared for this moment. Right. Right. Like he's he's been leading it up to like kind of give us an easy pass at it i feel like after chapter seven you kind of have to do that um <laughs> i know we like involuntarily took last week off because i went to the taylor swift premiere which was <laughs> so iconic which is so valid so valid um but i think everyone needed like two weeks to digest seven um two weeks to recover but i really did enjoy this and one of my literal favorite quotes ever is this too shall pass so i loved how he was framing it although he was writing this too will pass and i was like I like saying shall. <laughs> I know. I was like, it doesn't feel as fancy when you say will, but <laughs> sure. Um, but same. I, I I feel like that also goes into stuff he's talked about. And I don't know. We can, I want to like unpack this with you, but obviously this chapter is, uh, are you ready to dive right in? I kind of don't trust us to do any sort of catch up based on last week, last time. <laughs> I I don't either. And also, I feel like we've agreed that we're wet socks this week. So literally, why do I feel like a sock? Like it makes me feel better that you feel like a sock, too. I just have no feeling. And honestly, I was relating to what he was saying about this idea of like inner space and calm and kind of like being above where you're at. But yeah, my first question for you is like, what is the difference between that and depression? <laughs> what is the difference between that and disassociating? Yes. I was I, having those I thoughts. I thought the same thing. Like, I think there's like, I think it's supposed to be less numb than I think we're used to making it. 
And he says on 225, once you see and accept the transience of all things and the inevitability of change, you can enjoy the pleasures of the world while they last without fear of loss or anxiety about the future. So, I mean, for any of our not reading the book listeners, this chapter is about inner space. And basically, Eki is talking about non-resistance, non-judgment, and non-attachment being the three aspects of true enlightened living. And he's saying we need to be aware of the fleetingness of every situation, which is due to the transience of all forms. When you become aware of the transience of all forms, your attachment to them lessens and you disidentify from them to some extent. And then you're in that inner space. But he says being detached does not mean that you cannot enjoy the good that the world has to offer. In fact, you can enjoy it more because you enjoy the pleasures of the world while they last, like basically accepting their impermanence. Right. I think I take it as, I don't know, I feel like both of I, both of us have been feeling kind of like numb this week. Just like I feel like I can flip the switch and not care too much about anything. So I think I think what I'm taking from it is that like that's even just not feeling as much right now is a fleeting thing. And like if you can remove yourself and be like, this this will pass too. This is a fleeting feeling. Not feeling as deeply is also a feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. That not to get too psyched out or judgy about your state of mind, even if it's sad, depressed, or emotionless. Yeah. Because it's like I think back on all the other times I've felt this and then I've felt the complete opposite where I like feel the weight of the world and every emotion, good and bad, you know? Yeah. So everything is just a fleeting wave that passes through yeah you know what psyched me out a little bit in this uh chapter early pages 225 the earth is precious and at the same time insignificant i i can't <laughs> i can't Eki. no i do you know. think we're just in a state of exhaustion because of this book is so dense and we're actually at chapter <laughs> eight i mean yeah like if you start thinking about it too hard have you ever like gone you've gone down those rabbit holes on youtube of like here's the size of a tadpole and then it zooms out to like the largest planet we know and I'm like what does any of this fucking matter yeah but you know what gets me is this recent thing I've been thinking of like only being aware of the level that you're on the same way like ants are not aware of us they fully just live in ant world and like what if we are the fucking ants in some other higher bigger creatures world and like they look at us like the humans think they're real Totally. The humans think that they're like dominating the world and their little make-believe corporate jobs where they're sitting behind computers and on their fake internet. Like we, we, if you zoom it out, it looks silly. And then I think it makes anything we're doing down here feel silly. But I think what's important to matter or to realize is that like, even if that is the case and there's someone like looking down on us, it's like, what should that matter to us? It's like, what does their opinion matter? Right. This is still our reality. Yeah, And it's important because it's our reality. I honestly think, too, we're probably, and everyone else who's in this journey, we're at the first phase of processing like what he's saying. And so it's going to come with this like, oh, I don't know how to do this or I've never thought about this. So I feel like I'm turning off my emotions. But really, 
with time, we'll then begin to start to like understand it in the way he describes. He says on the next page, there is space between your thoughts. And from that space emanates a piece that is not of this world because this world is form and that piece is space. This is the piece of God. Now you can enjoy and honor the things of this world without giving them an importance and significance they don't have. You can participate in the dance of creation and be active without attachment to outcome and without placing. I highlighted this whole part unreasonable demands upon the world fulfill me make me happy make me feel safe tell me who i am the world cannot give you those things and when you no longer have such expectations all self-created suffering comes to an end yeah i feel like this chapter is so digestible like i don't have anything to even comment on that it's just so true it's like everything we ever wanted comes from within and i feel like i I understand as I read, but I'm, I struggle to like tap into that state without feeling like it's I'm depressed or I'm emotionless or I'm not like appreciative. I notice it come up for me sometimes with, I don't know, being let down or like something bad happening. And it's honestly a good thing to just be like, well, this is where we are. But then at what point is it like, unnormal that's a good question I mean I think there's two ways you can flip your awareness and it's like either off or like completely tuned up and on like I feel that you can either be depressed and just be like none of this matters whatever or like almost like have the immense appreciation even if the thing is bad and feel the weight lifted off you by none of it matters. Yeah. Thinking of it that way. And like just the joy of it, you know, when he says you can experience the pleasures of life without losing yourself in them. I'm watching Fox special forces right now, which I like really want to be on that show one day manifest. (laughs) And Bodie Miller is on it this season. For anyone who doesn't know him, he's like an amazing Olympian. I forget what sport, but he's like very, very successful. And I was just noticing in one of his interviews, he was stating his achievements and he said something like, I am the most highly decorated such and such that's like ever lived. But the way that he said it, I felt he had no pride in it. He had no attachment to it. He just stated it as a fact. And I feel like when I say I have the top five most digs in USC women's volleyball program history, a part of me is like, yeah, yeah, fuck, look what I did. Like it has that little glimmer of like ego attached to it. And I just was inspired by the way he made a statement without it positioning him that he's better than other people. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I feel like that's hard to do. Like, I feel like being able to do that helps people who tend to undersell themselves. Like, if you can realize, like, not everything is a brag. Some things are just facts. And, like, you're allowed to tell people about yourself as just a fact. Or, like, the other way around, where it's, like, you can say a fact and it doesn't need to define who you are and make you better than the person you're talking to. Yeah, it's like going back to that chapter. I think it was four where he said you can know about yourself, but that's not knowing yourself. Totally. Um, Something I wanted to chat with you about, and I feel like we can speak from experience here, but I'm also afraid is on 229 when he talks about drugs and drinking and like smoking. 
I felt like this was an unlock for me is this idea of when you're high or you're uh, drunk, you're, you're not rising above thought. You have fallen below it is what he says. I took so many notes on this page. Eki says here, you can't remember your mind made problematic self anymore because you're into this relaxed, carefree state. And I just kind of like remember this dinner where I was actually with Wood. I was with Wood and Max and we took gummies and I just remember sitting at the table and being like, oh my God, I'm, I just, I don't have a thought. Like I'm just here like at this bar and just sitting with them. And I was like, God, it would be so cool to be able to feel this way like all the time, 24 seven. And I've thought about this a lot, like with just like getting high or taking a gummy. And I guess it feels like it is turning off your brain, but it's not the right way, I guess, because like when Eckhart says, it's because you are less burdened by your mind, you can glimpse the joy of being. But he says there's a high price to pay. You're unconscious. You haven't risen above the thought. You've fallen below it. And all the teachings of this book are trying to get us to rise above thought. But substance abuse or not abuse, but substance use is just falling below. I'm really coming out of my party girl era. Like I was like on it, on that journey for a long time. And I think when I've taken a step back, I've realized that I would take drinking too far because it would stress me out, like managing the emotions of the group that I was with. Not that anyone asked me to do it. It's like something that I just did naturally. It was like, oh, this person wants to go out here and this person wants to be with this group and this person, you know, like everyone's on a different page and like so scattered. And like, I was always like hyper fixated on everyone having fun that like I would then take it too far so I didn't have to feel the stress of everyone else Mm. that I was putting on myself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And it was like that same thing of like flipping off my brain so that I could like enjoy my night. And I thought like, oh, I love partying. But it was like, no, I just loved turning off for a second. Yeah. Ridding yourself of the responsibility. Yeah, which again, no one has asked of me. Like I feel that sometimes when I just want to like take a little like gummy or like puff of a joint. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I can yeah. say that this far into this podcast. I know. I'm like, if you're still here, you get you get the good stuff. <laughs> you get the good stuff. I <laughs> mean, like, you know, it's funny though. When, when I get high, I get my my little me turns on hyperdrive. If I'm not in the right setting. That used to happen for me. I used to like hate smoking weed. I did not like it. I don't, I really usually don't like being under any sort of substance. Anytime I do drink, like this weekend we were in San Francisco and I felt like that one night I did drink a lot and then I'm hung over the next day. Like, why did I do that? It was so dumb. Um, But I do feel like sometimes I just don't know how to turn my brain off and there's so much to think that like when you do take like a little CBD gummy or a weed gummy, you're just like, okay, I know in like 20 minutes, like my mind's going to slow down and I can get like a break. Even today, like driving in the car, it's one of those days where it's just hard for me to like be still. And this whole chapter is like about stillness. And I'm just wanting to call people or listen to podcasts or music to distract myself. I, I find myself just walking around 
the city all day, like at my job, at, there's my headphones are always in my ear. I'm always making the next phone call. I'm always listening to music. I'm always like trying to find the next podcast. Like, and it's just like, why can't I just like walk and not consume and like fill my headspace like that? He talks about this in this chapter saying most people's lives are cluttered up with things, material things, things to do, things to think about. Their lives are like the history of humanity, which Winston Churchill defined as one damn thing after another. Their minds are filled up with the clutter of thoughts. This is the dimension of object consciousness that is many people's predominant reality. And that is why their lives are so out of balance. I don't know about you, but I feel like every five seconds I'm like, oh, don't forget we have to do this. Oh, we should do that. Oh, that email. Oh, where are we at on this? Yes. Yeah. And then I find that even like when I don't have something to do, I'm like, why am I not busy right now? Why? Like there is no enjoying the stillness. Wood has this bit that like I'll sit down on the couch for three seconds and then be like, oh, that was so nice. Okay. Anyway, should we start cooking dinner? Should we start doing this? Okay. I'm just going to clean the bathroom really fast. Like He's like, can you just sit still for four seconds? And I'm, this is like maybe too far, but I don't think it is. I think as women, like we've seen our moms, at least I saw my mom just like on her feet, always doing. It was like, I've never seen her like sit down and watch TV, like maybe recently, but like, I think it's ingrained in us that like in order to be valuable, we need to be doing. And I don't think that's just limited to women when I say it like that like I think that's what society puts on us it's hustle culture right it's praising yeah. the grind it's praising people who are restless praising people who said oh, I got no sleep last night and someone said they just work so hard and that's why I try to be conscious of that but even like today I was on the phone with my mom and I was kind of venting about like just because I can like today this is my third podcast I've done today my third oh my god and I it's just a lot of socializing. I interviewed someone and then I got interviewed and then I read this chapter and then we're doing this. And I had the other work that I did today. And I guess it's like, like, do I have to do that? No. So why am I doing it? Like I, I should space it out better just because I can do it doesn't mean I should. I think that goes for everyone. Like I, I think the athlete in me doesn't want to quit, doesn't want to say it's too much. Like I'm just like, I can take it. I can do it. I can keep going. Yeah. And so I'm on the phone with my mom about this and she's like, yeah, but you're young. When I was your age, I went to work all day and then we went out for dinner and like once again, it's, I don't think she meant it this way, but like a part of me thought, Hmm, like, yeah, I guess I can't be in my my young 20s and like slow down. Dude, I I think we're now 26. Like I'm we're allowed to pump the brakes a little bit. I am I'm tired. I am a 30 year old woman. <laughs> I am exhausted. <laughs> I can't wait to go to sleep every night. <laughs> wait, that is so real. Like, it's so real. The other day I forgot how old I was. I was straight up. Oh my God, I was watching, it was when I was at the Taylor Swift premiere. She was singing 22 and I was like, I remember when it was my 22nd birthday and it was my Swift year and I was like, and now I'm 28. And I was like, wait, am I 28? And I was like, no, I'm 26. No. And then I was like, I'm I'm one of the evens. Aubrey, I dead ass forgot my age. It was roll the dice on if I was 26 or 28 or 24. Oh, wow. See, I forgot my age the other day, but I was like dead set on the fact that I was 25. I was like really certain I was 25. I had to go to my calculator and do 2023 minus 1997. Okay. I actually, I had someone correct me before I got to that point. Wow. (laughs) 28. Congrats. Happy birthday. Thank you. Isn't that crazy though? But okay. 
this is the thing, is if we want to access what Eki is saying, we have to give ourselves the practice and the reps. And on 235, I highlighted when you are able to sense it directly within yourself, it deepens. And he's saying sense it as in sense the spaciousness, sense the stillness, sense the the breath and the space. So when you can sense that, it deepens. And by it deepens, like it grows stronger. And the less we do try to sit in the stillness, how are we ever going to be able to be good at this? And honestly, I think one of my resolutions for the new year and something I even want to just start in November is being more sacred about the start of my day and like my mornings and really trying not to grab the phone in the morning, really using my hatch alarm and like being strict and consistent with it and allotting, maybe I'll start with five minutes, five minutes of breath work. I'm just breathing. And it's like, then we'll get better at it. And then I can sit in traffic and not have to call everyone. I was just talking to my coworkers about this because similarly, because I'm in hustle culture mindset, we can do things, whatever. I get up at six and I go get on the bus at 6.30 to go to the gym because that's what successful people do and that's what people, how people start their day or whatever. My morning starts so chaotically at 6 a.m. because I'm rushing to get my workout put, putting my makeup in. The bus is five minutes early, so I'm like sprinting out the door and then I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, my headphones aren't charged. So it's like, yeah, I'm doing the thing that like we're told to do and like, yeah, I'm a workout morning girly, but I'm like, there is no stillness in my morning. (laughs) It is complete chaos. And then it carries throughout my entire day. (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel you like you're panicked and you're not in control. And it honestly, it's starting almost on like defense, like you're reacting. Yes. And I don't want to start in a reactive state like I'm I'm on defense. And so I feel. I think like it is how can we wake up in the morning and feel slow and feel calm and then move on with our day. And honestly, like I'm not a big morning person. I can stay up till midnight and 1 a.m. every night. It is way easier for me than waking up early in the morning. And I don't know if you do you know follow Justin Anderson. No, he is literally the gay best friend of the internet. You need to follow him. Oh my God. He's amazing. And he just kind of posts all of his intrusive thoughts. Like he's hilarious. And he's the most morning person. Like every morning at 5 a.m. He's on his stories, like dancing, singing. I had him on Real Pod a while ago. I should have him back for an updated episode. But he was like, baby, that's okay. Like the night is your time. Let that be your sacred nighttime. You don't have to be a morning. Like he was being, Yeah. he was just saying like, if that's you, like be about it. And so, you know, maybe like, am I going to wake up at 6 a.m.? No, it's just too jarring for me. But maybe I'm waking up at 7, which feels like I can do that. And then, you know, from 7 to 8 is my sacred time. Or maybe I'm going to try to, oh my God, this, this whole chapter about TV. I'm like, I should be reading Dude. at night. Maybe the night is my sacred time. I and mean, what did you think about the TV section? I mean... My boyfriend loves TV. I never watched a minute of TV until he moved in. And now, like, we have a TV in our room. I think it's the best thing that we've done. But I noticed the first week he moved in, we were, like, getting in bed at 7.30, sitting there watching TV, and then my brain wouldn't shut off. So now we watch TV in the living room until we're ready to go to bed. And then that TV is for Sunday morning footballs when I want to keep sleeping and he wants to watch a soccer game that's on at 7 a.m. on Sunday. 
which is fine. And yeah. that's that's fine. But I I think TV is like so mind numbing and like bad. I liked his part where he said you can use the mute button during commercials. Like I just feel like that's a little thing that we can do to just kind of stop the stream of unconsciousness. Yeah. I will say though not to be like so judgy to this but I feel like a TV in the bedroom is just like the bedroom like it's just got to be that sacred space of rest. Dude I know. But then we put one in. I've never had a TV in my room in my 26 years of living. And, and I said 26. Are you happy? Like if it was up to you, would you remove it? Or do you like it in there? I can't decide yet. It's been a month. There's some times where I'm like, this is the best thing ever. Like not not at night. Not on school nights. Like <laughs> school that's nights. when I'm like, we don't need this in here. But like Sunday mornings waking up and being able to sit in bed and drink a coffee and have whatever on like in the background is so nice like and if you're good about rules about it I think it's fine yeah and everyone has their thing like if that's if that's his serotonin and like you like that and it like it's your special thing that you guys look forward to like like I said if I'm not a natural morning person I don't have to force it and if if that's your guys's little form of uh, like you know who wouldn't want to watch love is blind in bed and then chat about it and and turn off that way yeah. And be like, you know what? We're actually really good together Maybe. when you see all those other people. <laughs> no, literally, it's crazy. I like my to... ego gets fired up by that show. I will voluntarily therapist the couples on Love is Blind. <laughs> but so, I also think there's like, I, I don't disagree with you. Like, I think if you're watching like some scary ass show right before bed, like, and you're all, I, I think it can very easily cause a lot of problems. Doesn't Wood also need to fall asleep to a noise? We listen to white noise. Is that Wood? But now I need a white noise. <laughs> right. It's kind of like how I'm addicted to having a weight on my eyes or I can't fall asleep. Yes. Yes. It's honestly, mine. that is worse than the TV thing. Like I, I literally cannot fall asleep unless something is on my face. <laughs> I was in, um, where were we? Paper Source with Victoria and she finds this weighted eye mask and she's like oh my god this is amazing and then pulls out her phone and I was like what are you doing she goes I'm just googling if you can get addicted to a weighted eye mask (laughs) I was like wow our problems are different because I didn't want to get something that then I would be like on a hotel in a hotel for a speaking gig like I can't fall asleep because I don't have and I already have that problem like yeah if you don't have a sleeping mask don't get used to it because I I cannot fall asleep without something on my face and if I don't have anything I will sometimes grab a sweatshirt I brought and tie it around my eyes or I will sleep with my hands around my face anyways Max Max sends me pictures in the morning of her, Victoria asleep with literally both of her hands crossed over her face <laughs> and just captions it the best Wait, it's the cutest it's thing it's actually ever. so cute you guys like get you a best friend and a husband that send pictures of you sleeping to each other like is that <laughs> not a not form of loving flattering. someone it's it's the best i love and the, the group chat of aubrey me and max is just pictures of me sleeping and i barely <laughs> respond in it <laughs> just me and max talking while you're asleep wait i have i have thoughts on page two two eight you have so much to say that's great i have so much to say um, he's talking about space consciousness and how 
if you can sense an alert inner stillness in the background while things are happening in the foreground, that is what you're looking for. That's the space consciousness you're looking for. And I was thinking about, have you ever been in like a group of three or four or I don't know, however big the group is. And there's some chatter going on, whether it's like petty or like people are disagreeing or I don't know. I I, I see it as a negative energy. And you can just tell there's one other person in the group that's sitting in the background while all this is going on in the foreground with you. And there's like that alliance of like, you guys are in the background seeing how ridiculous what's happening in the foreground is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I honestly feel like you I and I have that. that. I feel like I really, we have that for sure. But I yeah. kind of feel like I'm at this place now where I at least can think of a few friends who call me and they're like bitching about something. And I Same. find myself with no words because I don't Same. give a shit. It is so stupid. Same. I, I, I'm not going to say I never do anymore, but like I definitely like it doesn't have the same fun anymore because I'm like, I know where this is coming from (laughs) (laughs) fully and not to jump to like literally the last pages of this chapter, but it's related on 254 on the lose yourself to find yourself. He's saying whenever you relinquish one of these behavior patterns, inner space emerges. So I wrote to the left of that, like, when someone's talking shit on the phone and I have nothing to say. Or I think the perfect example is when someone texts you something and you're mad and you type a long text back, but then you delete it and you just like rise above it. That's that feeling of the inner space. Like inner space is when you delete the paragraph and you just say, okay, like really politely or like you move on. And he says like, here are some ways in which people unconsciously try to emphasize their form identity. Demanding recognition for something you did and getting angry or upset if you don't get it. Trying to get attention by talking about your problems. Making a scene. Giving your opinion when nobody asked for it and it makes no difference to the situation. I have to be better at that. Being more concerned with how the other person sees you than with the other person. Trying to make an impression through possessions, knowledge, status. And basically, Eki says, once you've detected such a pattern within yourself, I suggest you conduct an experiment. Find out what it feels like and what happens if you let go of the pattern. Just drop it and see what happens. And the other night, Max and I were actually on a call and I felt like he was misunderstanding like what I was trying to say. Oh my God. It's like when we were at the restaurant with everyone at the Mexican restaurant, I yes. like couldn't let that go. Wait, we have to tell this story. Oh my God. I was sitting there. I was like, are my parents getting divorced? No. <laughs> Basically, we're at this Mexican restaurant and it's the it's Aubrey, me, Wood, Max and a few of our friends. And they put together three tables for our group. And basically, we didn't need the third. We wanted to cram and be more cozy around the two tables. So we were going to ask the waiter, like, can we remove one of these tables and just sit at the two? Uh, but I even forget now why like Max was arguing against I had no idea what Max was saying this is the thing like Max and I sometimes are fully on different wavelengths and it's like it's like we're speaking a different language it's like really hard I had no idea what he was saying I didn't either and thank you for like validating me in this like I couldn't have been so right and my whole argument was like why are we waiting to ask the waiter like if we can use the table or not. Oh, and I think Max was like, because if we can get rid of the table. And I think Max was like, because if we move the table, there's not enough space for like other people to sit at it. So 
you know, maybe they won't let us do it. But I'm like, the table is either being used by us barely or it's not being used at all. So either way, the table's a non-factor. Like it's either hovering at the end of our dinner table unused or it's scooted over unused and we get what we want as customers. Like anyways, but I just feel like that's maybe a situation where if I'm trying to practice this, I could just take a deep breath, sip on my drink and think, who fucking cares? Whatever they do with the table, they do with the table. Yeah, that's where I'm like, but like I, I feel like I, maybe I was misunderstanding Max, but I feel like you were correct in that situation. So like he was like waiting for the waiter to come back to like ask permission in which he did. And then the waiter was like, you can't move it because there's not enough space for us to seat other people there. And it's like it doesn't matter. It's like that's what you were saying the whole time. Yeah, it's just. And I don't know, maybe that's a stretch of an example because it's not like I'm like really trying to like shape who I am as a person. Yeah. But I guess like in a situation where it doesn't really matter and you're either like, can you have the strength to just drop it? And I've been trying to do that more. I mean, right before this episode, I don't have my headphones in and I was asking what I was like, is it going to pick up my computer and he was like, well, where does she record from? And I was like, the, the microphone. And he like gave me the look was like, l- like through Zoom. And I was like, yeah. And then we were both kind of like staring at each other and we were saying the same thing. But we were like, I was like, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> he was like, no, we're saying well, the same wait, thing. And I was like, my... I have to record. Can you go? <laughs> so, that's so funny. My least favorite thing is when I need help with something and they ask something that doesn't fucking relate to the question. <laughs> he's like well where is Vic recording it's like that's not my question I was like I don't know my microphone (laughs) (laughs) and then he looked at me like I just spoke gibberish well that's so funny Max and I had a little like tiff this morning because I feel like I want to do some things when it comes to getting organized with finances and start planning for like our next place and he's like very, very on board with it. But like everything we need to do is gatekept by Max, the things Max has to do first to then allow us to both like do the things, if that makes sense. And yes. so like, I feel like this morning I was like, I'm going to call so-and-so. And he's like, no, well, wait, don't call them yet because I have to do X, Y, Z thing before we call. So we're prepared. And I'm like, well, when are you going to do X, Y, Z thing? He's like, I know, like, well, I'm, I'm trying, I'm going to do it at the end of this week. I'm like, like, and then I could sense myself. I literally mid conversation, I was like, and I tried to take a deep breath because, and honestly, Eckhart says in this chapter, oh my God, I highlighted it. It was freaking knowledge bombs. He says, 228, another pointer to the truth in you is contained in the following statement. I am never upset for the reason I think. And if I assess this morning's tiff, here's what I'm I'm frustrated with. I feel like All my shit is all over the apartment and it's messy. I don't feel like we have enough space and I'm frustrated about it. That's independent of Max. And yet here I am like taking it out on him in this like, you need to do the budget Excel sheet, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that doesn't warrant as much negativity as I'm bringing to it. Yeah. Oh my God. See, that's wild. Damn. See, now I'm trying to like rack my brains. I'm like, what was I upset about this week that I wasn't actually upset about? I can't think of much. It's also all just deeper. It's like, I want love or yeah. I'm feeling lonely. Or If you just keep asking why, like, why are you mad? Why does that bother you? Why you just get down to this like deep rooted yeah. humanness. And I think 
if we could get comfortable with what this chapter talks about, which is the inner space and the inner stillness, I feel like a lot of those problems like slowly fix themselves. Also, I feel like we're running out of time, but one more thing that stuck out to me on one or on two fifty six was you are never more sorry. <laughs> you guys, the amount of times I've edited out Aubrey's Wait, does that mean this one's not getting edited? I wish my I never did. My ass can't read. Wait, my I favorite, read. I don't like, know if, if people noticed in the last episode was like a sentence you said that like I, there was no way I could cut it. <laughs> no, it was just there. It's just the jumbled mess. Oh, God. All right. No, you can. Come on, this. Aubrey. You can read at a third grade level. You got <laughs> this is not a third grade level in your defense. Okay. Do <laughs> you are never more essentially more what like what does that sentence even say (laughs) you were never more essentially more deeply yourself when you're still no than than when you're still (laughs) wait i'm dripping sweat hold on do you want me to read it (laughs) can you do it no you can give it one more time wait i feel like i need to do this for myself okay you are never more essentially, more deeply yourself than when you are still. When you are still, you are who you were before you te- temporarily assumed this physical and mental form called a person. Wait, <laughs> in your defense, I feel like slowly reading out loud any sentence of this book sounds like gibberish. Wait, that sounds like such jib. I'm so red. Can you reread it for them? They're not going to be able to understand it. Oh I my- can't even understand it. Oh my God, you're so funny. Okay. It says, you are never more essentially, more deeply yourself than when you are still. When you are still, you are who you were before you temporarily assumed this physical and mental form called a person. So I love this part. That was a tricky one. Thank you. That was a tricky one. Yeah. Thank you for bringing our attention to this because I also highlighted this. Do you want to start the assessment? No, go ahead. I've done enough. I no, I feel like I'm talking way too fucking much this episode. Wait, no, not at all. Okay. That's your ego. Okay. <laughs> um I love this because Eki's basically describing how this idea of who we are as a person, like by our physical traits and these experiences and these stories we've pulled, like that's not actually who we are. And when we're still, we actually are more in touch with our true essence. But it's uncomfortable and the ego doesn't like it, which is why it starts thinking and calling people and listening to podcasts. Right, I love I love when you're meditating and you like hit that point where you're literally just sitting with yourself and like, you know, thoughts creep back in and then you can just like quiet them again. Like that's the best feeling. I've only had that happen to me twice in my life, but I can remember both times and I lost, like, I had no sense of time. Really? Only twice? You've had it more than that? Oh, I feel like every time I was big into core power. So every time we do Shavasana, not every time, but a lot of the time I'd hit that and like I would cry because, like, there's something about after you do an intensive workout and you're sitting in that heat and then you have like three minutes to meditate like endorphins and silence just overcome you i love shavasana 
I know. I, I wish like, I could shavasana every night. I know. I would frequently cry in shavasana too. But do you think if you're crying, you're actually in your stillness essence? I think so. Like I feel, I feel that like so overwhelmed with the stillness. Right. That you're feeling everything. I don't even know if it's a feeling. It's more of a release. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not feeling anything in particular, but like at such peace. Yeah. I think if I've learned anything from this chapter, it's that I actually need to commit to meditation and make it part of your little morning routine. I think I need to, but I don't want it to be like a guided meditation with someone else's voice or like music. I genuinely think I need to sit with nothing and just be with myself. And for anyone who wants to try this too, like I think just baby steps, like let's start with five minutes and just for the first week, like let's just try to do that. Like to literally have no distractions for five minutes. That is the meditation. And then week two, start trying to focus on the breath and like not let the thoughts go. Wait, I would love to do this with you. Oh my God, we should try this. Okay, let's do five minutes a day. We'll text each other when we do it. It doesn't have to be just for everyone listening. Like I, f- I feel like the best way to start is like not forcing yourself to do it first thing in the morning or last thing at night like just do it whenever you can throughout the day Mm -hmm. i like that that's even one more baby step backwards of like you know less intimidation like make it so achievable okay i love that let's um let's let's try that for sure well this was great um i love you lots and also wait wait wait, one more thing we want to say a big thank you to all the cuties who came to our phil's meetup in san francisco are so much to sayers and someone gave us an Eki bracelet. It was Hannah, I believe. And then um, Becky wrote us the sweetest letters. Becky, your letter meant more than you know. Thank you so much. So sweet. So grateful to anyone who came. And we love all of you for listening and being a part of this journey with us. And we just couldn't be more grateful for the fact that people are joining us on this passion project. Okay, I love you. I love you too, and I'll see you next week. We only have two more. Okay, bye, my little wet sock. I miss you. (laughs) Bye, little wet socky. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Obs and I are so excited to read the next chapter of A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. We'll be back again next Friday with our recap, so you have plenty of time to read if you want to keep up with us. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at RealPod. So much to say. It's a part of the RealPod family, so you get everything right there. And you can also follow us individually at Victoria Brown and at Aubrey Gavello. Okay. Thank you. Love you. And we'll see you next week.